Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. We're joined in tonight's episode by Ben Wargate. You may know Ben. He's the guy behind the 401 files on YouTube. Thanks for joining us, Ben. No worries. My pleasure. Thank you. So do you want to tell us a bit about yourself and a bit what what is 401 Files? Yeah, so I started 401 Files about three years ago now. And basically, my interest started off with the paranormal and the UFO phenomena. But then over time, it's gradually evolved. And now I talk about things like the wild man here in the UK, um, other strange cryptids like Bigfoot. And um, it's just everything that you could basically consider to be thought-provoking, really. I spend a lot of my time out on the moors, the North Yorkshire moors, which is about 500 um, plus square miles of just open terrain where a lot of these sightings occur, these UFO sightings and strange cryptids. So I spend a lot of my time out there exploring and uh, talking to my fan base basically about these things. Bill, so you talk about Bigfoot and that. Do you think that there could be a Bigfoot in the UK? Uh, it's different, like the UK wildman, or what people report as being the UK wildman. But again, it's just a cryptid that's out there living off the land and um, is claimed to be undiscovered. So, I noticed that on a lot of your videos, you do a lot of wild camping. And yeah. you're, I think you're alone most of the time. What's that like, just being out there, being out in, I guess, in the North Yorkshire Moors? What's it like when you're actually out there doing that? It's absolutely horrible. <laughs> that's what i was thinking uh, i'm watching it it's... yeah no it never gets easier like um so the this it, it's just that part of the night where it becomes twilight and then you think oh shit this is like real and it's too it's too late to turn back now because if i start packing down my kit and setting off by the time i get to the car i'm going to be walking in pitch black darkness i don't want that so i've kind of got to stick it out but um i like that the bit i like is when i get home and I think back and think, oh, my God, I actually did that. Like, I sat there on the moors where all these uh, reports are coming in from, and I did that all by myself. That's the best bit is when you get back. But there in the moment, terrible, scary as hell. <laughs> so what kind of stuff do you take with you to sort of uh, as part of your investigation kit? So I've got, like, a DSLR camera. Um, I don't really use that so much anymore because it's a bit clunky. But I use a Canon G7X Mark II, which is just a little portable camera, but it's very, um, very sharp and it gives some great colours and stuff when you're out in these places. Good in low light as well. Uh, I've got numerous torches. I always need backup torches just in case one of them runs out. Uh, ration packs for cooking um, and a first day kit, basically. Obviously, my tent, sleeping bag and the basic camping essentials, really. So you mentioned about the um, paranormal uh, that's an interest of yours as well. Do you take any sort of paranormal investigating kit, like any kind of EMF meters or spirit box or anything like that? I don't. Um, I'm going to start, though. Like That's that's going to be a big part of my channel moving forward, is the paranormal. I don't have any kind of investigating kit for the paranormal, but to think that that's why I got started in all this kind of stuff in the beginning... Um, it makes sense that I should start getting more kit to investigate some of these cases as well. So do you um, 
Do you think there's a link between the paranormal and UFO sightings and wild man or any kind of Bigfoot in different countries? Do you? It's really weird. Like um, when I think of the paranormal, I think of that as kind of a standalone phenomena. Um, maybe that's got some connection to life after death, um, the afterlife, or maybe it's just a completely different phenomena in its on its own. But the two phenomena that I definitely think there is a connection is cryptids and the UFO phenomena. I think that a lot of these Bigfoot sightings or these wild man sightings could actually be extraterrestrials, um, maybe coming down from these UFO craft or have some kind of relation to these UFO craft. I think there's definitely a link there between that two, them two phenomena. Yeah, we've we've spoken to other people and definitely they they seem to correlate between um, cryptids and UFOs. So it's interesting. I know one of the guys we've talked to, they, they've had portals opening up on above their, their ranch in America uh, where cryptids have been seen. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting you should say that. Yeah, for me, I mean, I look at the certain aspects of the two phenomena. So, for example, if I just start listing things like bad odors like these strange smells weird lights appearing um seemingly from thin air acting in very strange and peculiar ways um creatures that are often seen with these lights when i start mentioning things like that i could be talking either about the ufo phenomena or the cryptic phenomena and the two just coincide together like it's really weird how many similarities appear in both phenomena and there's the mind speak well a lot of people say that bigfoot uh, they've had interactions with Bigfoot through this thing called MindSpeak, where apparently Bigfoot can communicate telepathically. Again, that's something that we hear in the UFO and extraterrestrial phenomena as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a big part of um, extraterrestrials, and people who have abductions certainly talk about not seeing the alien speak or the extraterrestrial yeah. speaking. They just they just hear them and they're, they're calm. Um, right. I mean, Travis Walton was one of the guys that said yeah. that. Um, another one was Barney Hill. Barney mm-hmm. Hill said that when he picked up the binoculars and he was looking across the field at these these beings on this craft, um, the constant message that he was being told over and over again was, don't move, keep looking, keep looking. And for me, I think that maybe that's some kind of control mechanism. I mean, if they're, if they're telling him, keep looking, keep looking, maybe they've got some kind of a hold on him when he does yeah. that the minute he turns away they lose that hold i don't know it's, it's really weird that people keep mentioning this yeah and i you do hear that people mention the fact that when they're told to stay calm or and like you say um keep looking that a sense of calmness comes over them but i know yeah. in travis walton um had complete opposite of that that they they were trying to communicate with him and he just went wild when he was yeah um, when he woke up in, in what he believes to be um, some sort of craft and started swinging utensils and like instruments around and they just backed out. They didn't even, um, didn't have that effect on him. So I don't know, Yeah, like, like you say, it's some kind of control and they, they clearly didn't have it with him. So Yeah, maybe, maybe it affects different people in different ways. I, um, I believe that as well, to be true about, abductions in general so like when some people get abducted some people can remember every detail and others can't remember 
hardly anything over, I mean, just little bits of the, the experience here and there. And I sometimes think, is that some kind of um, an anaesthetic that they're using? I can't explain this, what I'm trying to say. Like, maybe they're injecting somebody or they're putting this gas mask over their face and whatever it is that they're giving these people that they've abducted, it's supposed to erase their memory. And yeah. for some people, it doesn't work or it wears off rather quick after the experience. Um, but that's that's what I've started thinking recently about these things because Travis Walton was one of the people that said they put this mask or this apparatus over his face um, and he blacked out. And so Travis was obviously one of the lucky people that this didn't have full effect and he started to get his, um, his memories back of this event rather rather quick after it. But for some people, that's not the case. Yeah, we talked to a guy recently, uh, Dave Holdren, and he talks a lot about screen memories. Yeah. Where these like contact uh, cases and the the extraterrestrials, they implant or they change the memory. So they, they think they're seeing, in this case, it was like the pet dog. Yeah. Or it, they saw doctors in a, in a operating room, but it's actually, it was aliens in a craft, but they implant these memories to cover what that's they're actually right. seeing. And so do you think that's an explanation for why people see like, doctors or wake up in a on a table in a white room things like that yeah absolutely um this was portrayed famously in the fourth kind the movie the fourth kind um, a lot of those people that were in there the actors were showing that these screen memories are sometimes things like owls which have a very similar shaped face shaped eyes and if you woke up from a bad dream you would question actually did i see an alien or was it just an, an owl that i saw and so it confuses things and it muddies the waters to these people that have had these these abduction experiences. Um, but it's only under hypnosis that a lot of these people actually realise, hang on a second, this wasn't a wow, this wasn't a dog. Um, and then they go down the rabbit hole and find out that much more actually happened to them. So, yeah, I do believe there is something there. So you mentioned earlier about the telepathy and possible things like that. I, what's your thoughts on C5 and I guess Stephen Gray's approach to, to that aspect of UFOs. I'm sceptical. Um, at this minute, I'm sceptical. In fact, I'm sceptical of quite a lot of Stephen Gray's work. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I think he's somebody that's hoaxing or um, he's a con artist or anything like that. It's just that every documentary I've ever seen of Stephen Gray, he always leaves with like a cliffhanger of um, these scientists are going to get back to us with re with the results. And then we never hear anything more of it. Um, and this seems to be the the common trend with Stephen Greer documentaries. Um, he found the Aztec aliens. I think he had some involvement there. And some breakthrough information was supposed to be getting leaked any time. And we're still waiting years and years later. So I'm really, really sceptical about Stephen Greer and some of his work. But a lot of my... Um, a lot of my viewers, a lot of my followers, subscribers, they all speak quite highly of Stephen Greer and say that this meditation stuff that he's doing to contact aliens um, is quite plausible. So I don't know. I'm open-minded to everything, but until I've actually seen it with my own eyes, at this point, I'm probably still a bit sceptical. Yeah, yeah. What, what gets me with, with Stephen Greer when you talk about documentaries and that, like with his with the app and the obviously the fifth yeah uh, kind that is documentary. Is he says he wants to basically connect the world and have us all connected on the meditation level and doing this. Yeah. And he's charging £10 for an app. 
That's right. If you re- if you really wanted everyone to do it, I mean, charge charge for it, but make it three pound like most apps are, or well, that's right. something more. If it was just three pound, I would probably download it and give it a go. But for ten pounds, I mean, I'm not going to. Mark Zuckerberg wanted to connect the world, and he did it for free for everyone. So, yeah. uh, do you know what I mean? If he if he's a good if he's a good guy, I'm not saying Mark Zuckerberg is a good guy by any any means, but if he if he wants to connect the world and he wants to give out this great um, experience for everyone, I don't understand why that costs ten pound. I, I understand that there's cost behind the app and things like that, but it just seems a bit fishy to me. Yeah, I think when uh, when money gets involved, you have to question what the motivation is, whether it's right. fame, the money, or their their actual belief in in the the subject. And I think probably at the start he was motivated to to get everybody connected and his belief to yeah. spread the word but somewhere along the line you see pound signs or dollar signs coming in so yeah it, it changes and so i think sometimes you have to follow where the money is and we've we've said it on previous podcasts you have to see who's got an interest in this app being out oh it's ten dollars or ten pound or whatever yeah somebody's definitely got an interest in pushing this so whereas someone like Travis Walton as he doesn't famously do a lot of stuff I know he's just gone on Joe Rogan but you don't hear much from him some of these these people that have had experiences you don't hear from because they don't push the story uh, right. Stephen Greer's got the documentaries but he's on almost every alien and UFO documentary over the last god knows how many years he, he pops up and there's sound bites so yeah it, it, it's difficult i think the the belief is there but the motivation might be slightly skewed it's weird though isn't it because like this whole idea of being able to contact extraterrestrials or some smart civilization out there in the cosmos through means of meditation i can kind of somehow in my weird mind imagine that working I don't know why, like, I think maybe because we always think of intelligent beings um, being very peaceful, spiritual, and meditation runs right along with those things. So maybe that's why I think that. But yeah, you, using an app to achieve this, I don't know. I'm not too sure about that. We, um, I'm part of a paranormal group. And yeah. in the past, I've been on paranormal investigations with another group I was with. And... Um, meditation was part of that a a relaxation of the mind to sort of open yourself up a bit so i I completely get the whole meditation for ufos yeah Uh, sort of like heighten your your senses a little bit by sort of unwinding your mind i suppose um so yeah i i I get that like yourself it it sounds quite plausible yeah yeah it does it does sound plausible i mean that i think meditation and things like astral projection um, they're quite connected as well you've got to be in quite a meditative state to do um, astral projection and so that's quite a weird phenomenon itself is astral projection and obviously the meditation is linked to that so yeah I just think because of this how far does it go like what other phenomena can we attract or achieve by means of meditation definitely Uh, going back to wild camping we were talking about a bit earlier have you had any real strange or scary encounters or experiences whilst you've been out wild camping um yeah so i'm not sure if you guys have watched any of my older videos but there's a guy that makes an appearance on the channel every now and then called junior good friend of mine um we've grown up together since 
like really small children. And we'd gone to the notorious Howard Forest. Now, Howard, Howard Forest is notorious for wild man sightings. And we decided to go there, do a bit of an investigation, um, spend the night there. And on the way there, we was kind of like taking the piss a little bit, not disrespectfully, but we just didn't believe this whole wild man phenomena. And I'm still on the fence now, but we went to Howard Forest, we camped out and we stood around the fire and we just heard that the forest was completely silent at this point as well, I must add. There was no birds, no signs of lights or people talking off in the distance, nothing, completely dead. This was like really late on in the middle of the night. And we just heard this, like a whistle that was, it was definitely, um, what's the word? It was definitely done on purpose, basically. Like this was a whistle as if somebody was trying to shout the dog. Now it wasn't a dog, it wasn't for a dog, 100%, because if it was, that person walking through the forest looking for the dog would have needed a torch on. There was branches, sticks, it was middle of the night, pitch black darkness. There was no torches. There was no sounds of people walking on sticks. There was no sound of a dog running wild. It was just a really weird whistle like that. And me and Junior instantly just stopped and looked at each other and was like, what the? Like, that? I don't know any animal that makes that kind of a noise. Yeah. And um, as, we're, as we're looking at each other, I basically said to Junior, I was like, oh my God, like, you do realise that people say this wild man or Bigfoot, whatever, whistles. And he was like, shut up. And I was like, mate, seriously, the whistling thing is a big part of like Bigfoot phenomena and wildman phenomena. And he was like, just shut up, mate. And I was like, oh, oh, it freaked me out. But anyway, we go to sleep and the next morning we wake up. I'm the first one at my tent door. I look out and there's a, like a stick formation. This is like a clear, obvious stick formation. It's like people, someone has dragged branches and twigs and, and stack them up against this tree that's no more than five meters away from where we pitched up now when me and junior move into a campsite we always clear the floor of debris because we don't want sticks poking through our ground sheet wrecking the tents we always clear the space so we know for a fact that those trees and those branches weren't there when we was clearing that space up but yeah we woke up and somebody or something had dragged these branches and these sticks and laid them up against this tree. Now, was that somebody playing a prank on us? Somebody who had followed, followed us into the woods? Maybe. But even if that's the case, that's just a scary because who follows two guys into the middle of nowhere um, stealthily without making a single sound while we're both sleeping comes within metres of our tent just to do that. It's really, really weird, whichever way you want to play it. But that was one of the creepiest times, probably. How did that make you feel when you like you woke up and you saw that someone or something had been that close yeah, well, to where you were? I did the natural thing, like what most people would do. I thought, oh, right, okay, come on, Junior. Like This was obviously you. You're just doing this now because of what happened last night with the whistle. But his reaction was just as shocked as mine. He was like, mate, honestly, I don't have any idea what how that got there. And I, I swear on my life, I promise you, this was not me. And I know for a fact that it won't me. And so, yeah, it just kind of made me feel really on edge and weirded out, like, that somebody might have followed us in there and stood over us while we was asleep in the middle of this notorious hotspot for wild man. Do you know what I mean? It's just a weird feeling. Like, either way, was it a wild man? That's really weird. But it's just more weird if it was a person out there doing this. Yeah. And you still keep going back out? Yeah. 
unfortunately. <laughs> well, the thing is, I always tell myself, I have this routine, right? And it seems to work for me until it doesn't. <laughs> I always tell myself that nobody else, no other idiot is going to be out here with me. There's only me stupid enough to come here to do this. And I keep telling myself that over and over again. Ben, there's only you here. Nobody's weird enough to come out to this place and do what you're doing. But then the minute you hear something, that works in the reverse because then you start thinking, actually, you're right. No one should be out here, but there obviously is someone out here. So it goes like, it, it just spirals. So do you set up any kind of trigger object or anything that could alert you to the fact that something might be there? We've done feeding stations before, like gifting stations. And we've left things out to see if um, anything would be tampered with overnight. Um, we've done like some tree knocks. That's another notorious uh, way of goading in uh, Bigfoot or cryptids. We've done that, but we've never really like set up game cameras or anything like that, which is something again I am going to start introducing to the channel uh, moving forward. Yeah, yeah, because it it would be interesting just to see. It would. It really would. Like I don't know why I've held back from from doing that for so long. To be fair, I'm going to definitely invest. Maybe money's an issue as well. Like I, I run a lot of things. I have all the editing software on my computer that I pay for, all the equipment that I take out. And so yeah, like maybe just the idea of buying four or five game cams, which like thirty, forty pound each, has yeah. been a bit off putting. But I'm definitely gonna do it. It's one thing I'm gonna do. Also though, um sometimes just to go in simple, go in bare of equipment gets more results. I've noticed that yeah. when we've done paranormal stuff, just take a uh, a voice recorder and a, a camera and that's it and you tend to get a lot of more results because you're not focused on stuff that's um, right things don't necessarily they it could be that if this cryptid cryptid is watching you or watching what's yeah. going on that they're they're completely aware of the fact that you're trying to capture them or i don't know so yeah sometimes going completely naked of equipment is is a good thing so you get more of an experience yeah absolutely somebody once um, or somebody recently commented to me saying what are you expecting to find bigfoot or cryptid like basically slating me saying you're going out there and you're expecting to find something i don't expect to find anything um but the best i can do is get out to these places where sightings are being reported ex people are having experiences and i think that Every time I go out, I never expect to see or hear anything, ever. But I just think by putting myself in them locations, it's got to heighten my chances, surely. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, like people get confused and, oh, you're just going out there and you expect to find something. It doesn't work like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get out there where these things happen, where the sightings and reports are coming from. And if it does happen, it happens. But just being there for me is sometimes enough to stand there and look around for miles and miles and see nothing but forests and open moorland and think, my God, like this is where this person or that person had this experience. And it's just a really good feeling for me. I suppose it's like going to where Travis Walton was abducted. It's a great feeling. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Have you had any UFO sightings or experiences? Uh, not UFO, but I've had extraterrestrial. And this is possibly the number one reason why I'm here today talking to you guys, running a channel about thought-provoking topics. So when I was about four or five, no, that's too early. I was about five or six years old. I was in Gubgout at the time. We'd been away from a weekend camp to a place called Snowball Plantation, like a bit of a forested area. 
and Snowball Plantation now, when I drive past there, because it's not too far from where I live, it's a built-up area. There's houses laid within about five miles of this forest. But um, on the way back from this camp, uh, we was on a minibus, and I was sat at the back of this minibus with one of my best friends at the time, and the Cub Scout leader stood up in the middle of this minibus and said, we're going to be pulling over soon for um, a stop. If anyone wants, anybody wants to jump off for a quick wee, then this would be the time to do it. So obviously being five, six or seven, whatever I was at the time, sorry, just jumped off the bus with my friend, stood at the side of the road. And where we were stood, there was like an embankment just in front of us, a really small embankment, but it, it like climbed up into this wooded area just off the side of the road. And I was a bit sheepish and I heard, so I didn't want to stand taking a piss at the side of my friend. I was like, oh, screw this. I'm going to go up this embankment. So I walked up this little embankment and I stood at the top. I could still see the bus behind me. Um, and as I'm looking into this wooded area, I noticed like a little outbuilding, a little brick outbuilding. It was covered in ivy. There was bricks missing. It was clearly unused. Like this thing was derelict. But it looked like something that someone at some point would have stored tools in. So then I started thinking, well, where's the rest of this building? Like, where's the house or the big farmhouse? Or And I couldn't see anything. But then I saw something move off to my left. And I quickly looked over to my left and I saw this thing that even today I've never seen anything like it. Um, not before, not since. It was about six and a half foot, close to seven foot. It had really long arms that went past the knees. It stooped over when it walked with a really small head. Normal sized eyes, there was no big eyes or anything like you would expect but it was green from head to toe. And at first, I remember the very the very first thing that came to my mind was, this is a prank. Like they pulled over, this is a prank. They're trying to catch me out and make fun of me. I'm not gonna feed into it. So I, I made this like conscious decision in my head that when I get back on the bus, I won't speak about it. I won't say anything. And then, then the, the joke will be on them because they didn't get me. Yeah. So I got back on this bus. This thing looked at me, I looked at it. And it didn't seem phased. This is the weird thing. It didn't seem there the whole journey home waiting for someone to say, ha ha, we got you. Did you see it? Did it scare you? And nobody ever did. Like nobody said a single thing about this green, tall creature walking through the woods at this random pit stop. And I got I got off the bus, met my mum, and I'm still waiting. Nobody said anything until this day. Nobody still ever came forward and said, oh, it was a joke or anything. And, and I don't, it was definitely 100% in my mind, legit. Whatever I saw, I don't know what it was, um, what it was doing there. But yeah, it's fascinated me ever since. And like I said, it's what's led me on this path um, to speaking openly about these things. I'm assuming that obviously that set your interest off, that you've tried to find an explanation or trying to find someone else that's seen anything similar. Have you come across anyone that's made any similar reports to that description that you made yeah so i start the weird thing about this right is that so this happened like when i was about six or seven years old and then all my teenage years it was like it was erased from my memory we spoke about this earlier in the conversation but i never ever thought about it it never came up in my, my mind i never started thinking about it or stewing over it or anything like that but then in my late 20s early 30s it came back to me like it happened yesterday and I, it actually took me completely by surprise and I was stood there and I remember at work and I was thinking fuck like did that really happen like but I remembered every detail the finest of details even what plants were growing in that woods at that time these little white plants were sprouting up through the ground and I remember that because I remember this green this green creature I remember the way its foot looked as it brushed past them um and it was so vivid and weird 
it was clearly not a false memory because I've never had any other false memories in my life. This was a real thing. I actually contacted someone on Facebook that was there that day and said, look, do you remember this snowball plantation trip where we was on this boat? And they remembered it. They remembered me, me being sat at the back of the bus. They remembered the pit stop getting off for a pee. Everything up until the point where I saw this green thing, but obviously they wasn't out on the bus. So, yeah, really weird. That's incredible. I had to say, if I had to say one thing that I would call this, and I hate using this word, but it would be reptilian. Um, and I always cringe when I say that word because I know that David I gets a lot of stick for all these reptilian things. Um, and I don't know too much about the reptilian phenomena to start speculating that it was or it wasn't. But when I've looked on Google Images, the nearest thing I could find was there was a picture of this dinosaur and at the side of it was this being. And I think the picture was trying to show you how beings would have looked if they had carried on evolving from dinosaurs. Now that picture of that being on two legs walking upright is exactly what I saw, exactly what I saw. Wow. I think the color the color green was maybe a tinge darker on the one that I saw, but it was so minute. Everything about that on that picture was what I saw. I know um, reptilians, like you say, David Icke has uh, say made them famous. I don't know if it's, yeah. um, but uh, we've spoken to previous people and they've mentioned the fact that there is a race of extraterrestrials or aliens or whatever you want to call them yeah. that are reptilian. There's all sorts of shapes, but reptilian was definitely one that has come up a few times when we've been speaking to people. So, yeah. yeah. And, and what I saw when I say reptilian, it wasn't like stereotypical reptile. It didn't, I never saw scales. Like I never saw it, that it had scaly skin. To me, it was just like this tall bipedal creature that walked with this stoop. And I just remember clearly that his skin was green from head to toe. Had a very, very small head in proportion to the rest of his body. And like I said, I never saw no big wraparound eyes or anything like that. But I never had a tail. So it wasn't like your stereotypical reptilian, what people um, try and put across in these groups on Facebook and things like that. But it was definitely reptilian looking. Do you know what I mean? But without being over the top reptilian looking, I can't explain what I'm trying to say. Here, but no. if you want a, a good look at what I'm trying to explain, you, if you bring up that image on Google, you'll you'll see for for definite yeah. what it was. Okay. Um, oh, another one. Sorry. You know the movie yeah. Signs. Yeah. Yes. You know the alien creature that moves across the alleyway at the birthday party when they're watching it on the news. Yeah. That's it. That is exactly, and I, I don't know who made that movie or who decided to put that piece in there, but I just feel like whoever it was knows more than they're letting on because that is pretty much what I saw. Um, and the moment I saw that, I thought that, I thought whoever's done that knows knows a bit more than just how to make movies. What are your thoughts on that sort of subject then, where you see UFOs and, and aliens and all sorts of weird stuff portrayed on TV programs and films. Do you think that there is some kind of agenda there or do you feel there's coincidence? Um... No, I feel like it's um, a way to drip feed disclosure. If we look at movies like or series like Star Trek, back in the day when somebody walked through an automatic door on Star Trek, everybody was completely blown away. Oh my God, how did that door know to open when he stepped to it? But now we have them in every supermarket. When you watch Spock pick out a device and start talking to somebody on another ship, we're all like, oh my God, he's communicating with somebody. But now we have mobile phones in 
everybody, kids have mobile phones these days. Um, so I just think that a lot of what we see in movies comes to um, fruition. It comes, it basically materializes. Do you think that um, the media and the governments are, are actually in cahoots to do this drip feed of, of disclosure? Um, I believe that they know more than they're letting on. I believe they know a hell of a lot. I believe that they know we're not alone. I believe that they know we're being visited. But I don't know why they can't tell us. And we can all go down that path of saying there'd be uproar, there'd be violence, and um, the, all the world's religions would be at war. We can start saying all those different things, but at the end of the day, I feel it's in, indefinitely going to come out eventually whether it's in 20 50 or 100 years time we're going to learn that we're not alone so eventually that is going to be the inevitable 100 percent, the governments do know more than that i truly believe that yeah. do you think we're going to get anything out of this latest 180 day uh pentagon disclosure that was supposed to be coming no um i don't because this happens all the time like yeah. Ever since I got into this, which was years ago, like from a very small kid, I've been into like UFOlogy and um, strange cryptids like Bigfoot, etc. And so many times throughout my life, I've heard that they're releasing top secret files or they're releasing um, the Pentagon's released so many files and um, MI5 have released so many UFO files from this day. And when you look at it, these people that are releasing these files are the same people that have kept it a secret all these years. So the stuff that they're releasing is only what they want you to see. There's never going to be no juicy stuff in there or things that are going to be the smoking gun because it's come from the people that are keeping the lid on this this whole phenomena. So I never get too excited when I hear stuff like that. Yeah, it's, um, it's ever since, I think I'm a bit older than you guys, but ever since I was younger and had my interest, there's always been that, like you say, yeah. it's come in, there's a bit of disclosure, these files are being released and yeah it's never quite it's always still out of reach a little bit isn't that's it? right and, and the things that they put in these files uh they're not they're not the majority of them might have not interest in it. it could be explained away with common sense i've read through a few a few of these files and it could be weather balloons drones a, a list of things but i don't know do they put that out there to make i don't know why they do this it's just something that i never really get too excited about in last week's episode, we featured a clip with it's an interview with Steven Spielberg, and it was just prior to the release of Close Encounters, so 1978, 1977. And he says in the interview about, I think it's President Carter, it's like, oh, he's, he's going to be releasing some information this December on the whole UFO thing. And it's like, so many decades on, and it's still the same story. Nothing, nothing, Nothing's changed, pretty much. That's right. The biggest question is why, though? Like, why don't they want us to know? Um, I've recently got into this phenomenon as well, like reading into it and just listening to people's theories about it. But some people believe there's this galactic war that's going on um, out there in, in space. And there's certain um, fractions that are here to help the human race and help save Earth. And there's others that really don't give two shits about us. And this battle between these different races has been going on up in space for a long, long time. And the government apparently know about this. And this has been common knowledge to people in the know like the higher ranking people um for many many years and i don't know if you guys are familiar with gary mckinnon yep yeah yeah gary mckinnon yeah Yeah, that's right so gary mckinnon when he hacked into uh 
the one he hacked into NASA, NASA's database. Basically, he pulled up a file that was called space, um, ship-to-ship transfers. And he basically took the codes of these ships that were in these files and um, he ran a few searches thinking that they may be naval ships and nothing turned up. Um, and then he finds another file that was listed, um, labelled non-terrestrial officers. So now you can only basically put the two together really and imagine that there is something going on with there. We are exchanging things with these people. It's just fascinating. Yeah, his case is, is really interesting because they've been trying to get him over to America to get him on uh, extradition to yeah. spy charges and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so far he's managed to stay in the UK, which I think is great. And I know he doesn't he doesn't even talk about it really anymore. He's sort of got... He doesn't. I've been trying to get him on the channel for a long time now. I've been speaking to him. Um, uh, I spoke to him a few times, but he just doesn't really see him... Um, to want to pursue that that part of his life anymore, no. which understand. Yeah, I think he's uh, he's become quite infamous for that, and he's he only seems to be known for trying to hack into stuff. And yeah, so it's not a very good uh, long term sort of life. No, you to take with you, I suppose. But I think yeah, he's actually got into like if I'm I think if I'm right in thinking this, I think he's got into like inventing now. I think he's making things. He's artistic, isn't he? Yes. And uh, that's kind of one of their traits is that when they get a hobby or when they get a fascination that they, they go all in. So I think from his YouTube channel and the few videos that I've been watching, he's actually inventing things now and creating different things, which is good for him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So when you've been out and about uh, in these particular areas, have you seen any anything sort of, um, sort of men in black style, type? people i haven't no i never have but have you seen the um, have you guys watched my video where i went to rendlesham forest with you yes i watched that one yeah. <laughs> yeah so i've never had an experience with men in black ever but i must admit on the journey home after that trip i was thinking oh my god this is it like the next morning there's gonna be a knock at the door there's gonna be these big tall white great <laughs> i was panicking like mad just thinking i'm gonna i know for a fact i'm gonna get busy i just know it but um, luckily i never did but that's the only time i was really fearful of that yeah i, I, I watched that i was like as if he's yeah he's, 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 he's doing it you want to just talk a bit about that experience for those that have not not seen yeah, it. Yeah, I, I actually think, right, and this is not me being big-headed, this is not me blowing my own trip, but I think that I'm the only guy on YouTube that's got footage from inside the Woodbridge base like that because I've Googled it, I've YouTubed it, and nowhere else can I find anybody running around in the notorious Woodbridge base where it all happened in 1980. So, um, yeah, that's my claim to fame right now. But me and Junior, um, Junior maybe not so much. He, he's not clued up on like UFOlogy like I am. He just likes to go along for the ride. But Rendlesham Forest in 1980 was basically Britain's Roswell. Like these guards that were on the gate saw this strange light come down into the woods. They thought it was a downed aircraft. And when they went to go investigate, they found this ship that was hovering just off the ground. Lasers were fired at their feet. Um, a strange hieroglyphic writing was found on this ship. So much went into this story and it all happened at Rendlesham Forest at the Woodbridge base. So me and Junior decided that it would be a great idea um, to jump in the car and travel, I think it was about 200 miles or something like that, and basically camp out for two nights in uh, Rendlesham Forest itself and 
actually try and get into the Woodbridge base. And so that's what we did. We went there, we camped out in the forest, which was a really weird experience because it looked like, you can see on the video, that there was other people out there that maybe wasn't quite sane, um, camping out under the stars. Um, and we found a lot of abandoned tents and camp makeshift shelters in this woods. And then on the second day, we decided, right, screw this. We're going to go for it. If we can get in, we're going to get in. So we walked the perimeter of the fence and we found a tree that just so happened had branches that overhung into the actual base. So we climbed up this tree, we dropped down and we went investigating. And you know how it is when one thing goes your way, you start getting more confident. So we got we got over the fence. That was our first win. So it's like, right, okay, we've, we managed to do that. That was easy. Let's go check out this bunker. So we checked out the first bunker. Still nothing's happened to us. We was like, do you know what? Let's go check out the watchtower. Like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> so we tried to make our way to the watchtower, uh, which would have been absolutely amazing. Can you imagine, like, especially for someone like me who's into ufology, we're in the Woodbridge base. This is like the holy grail of all UFO activity. And yet we're going to try and make our way to the watchtower which would have received that call the night in 1980. So this seemed like a great plan at the time, and we were so excited. We started to make our way there, but if you watch the video, you'll see that it didn't all work out um, that well. <laughs> I won't say too much more, because people will probably want to watch it, but um, yeah, we got caught, basically. Uh, we got caught quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely worth a watch if you've not seen that one. For all that went wrong towards the end, that's going to be one of those videos and experiences that probably stay with me forever. So. Yes, we did an episode on a Renderers from Forest because uh, it's yeah. 40th anniversary uh, back in the last year. But we looked at the previous history, like before 1980. Like there was two UFO sightings at, at the base that's not related to the 1980 incident. And there's, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of years of strange shit going on around that forest, around the little villages, around there. It's insane. Yeah, I never knew that. It's amazing. So this is the favourite UFO event? I'm guessing is that your favourite UFO, British UFO story? Uh, what, Rendlesham? Yeah. It's actually not, no. <laughs> it's actually not. It's definitely up there, um, definitely in my top three, but my my most, um, my favourite UFO abduction case of all time is probably Travis Walton, and then second, with it being UF the UK, is a case called Alan Godfrey. Oh, yes. Ever heard? Yeah. Yeah, it's not too far from, from here, is it? Yeah, I've met Alan. Um, I've, I've been to speak with Alan, um, and the guy's the most genuine bloke you could ever come across to speak about speak about these things. Um, if there's ever going to be someone that, that's believable when they're talking about being abducted by aliens, it's got to be someone like Alan Godfrey. So that case was amazing. And his story has never changed. He's never really gone out of his way to claim money or um, any kind of revenue from this story at all. In fact, he just wants to leave it behind and now move on with his life. But yeah, what an amazing story. I love that story so much. What's so your favourite? What's your favourite free? Uh, my favourite. Oh, he's on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> like I say, rendlesham has got to be up there. Yeah. Um, I actually can't think. My, uh, my mind has gone. I can't think of any. Roswell? I think Roswell, I think for a lot of people, is the one that got me into it. Yeah. So especially when I was younger. I had my own sight when I was 10, and that's what got me interested. And then yeah. I started sort of looking, getting books out from the library, and it was all Roswell, uh, everything 
everything as well as well. Uh, nowadays, I, I, I've not played paid it much mind really. It's just I don't know. It's been yeah. done to, to death, and there's just been nothing new for years and years. So, so just, I've no interest in that really. Yeah. Uh, but when the like I say with the stuff we found out yeah. that happened previous to 1980, uh, there was a sighting in February 1980, and then there was a big one in 1956 at the Woodbridge yeah. base. And really? So. Yeah, that was um, there was actually two over was it the same night. Yeah, what same was night. So there was what so was the, the nineteen fifty? Was that still a still a military base? Yeah, it was still US. Yeah. Uh, so I'm pretty sure it's still US owned at the time. Yeah. And it was actually they saw it at the. Why is my mind dead? <laughs> What's the other base called? Uh, the, what the other base? Yeah, Bentwaters. Uh, Bentwaters. Yeah, Bentwaters. Yeah, so, yeah, so the 1956 case, it was about 8 o'clock at night, and it was our, yeah, Bentwaters that saw a strange object coming across on radar. Yeah. And as it came across the top of the base, it disappeared from radar momentarily. And it appeared again, but that wasn't seen. And then 90 minutes later, there's objects seen again. But this time, crew actually in the base on the ground saw it. And a yeah. pilot that was in the air reported seeing it 100 yards below him. So he'd been seen on radar and then seen by by crewmen. So yes. they 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 rang through to Woodbridge. They said it's coming towards you. They picked up on their radar, and then people on their base saw it. Yeah. And that was part of Project Blue Book. They actually investigated it as part of Project Blue Book. Wow. Uh, so it must yes, yeah, so it must have been the US Air Force base at the time. And their conclusion was, in fact, it was the TDAR committee that reviewed it, and because they reviewed all the the uh, Blue Book files. And they reviewed that, although it possibly have an actual explanation, it's unlikely to be the case, and it's remained unexplained since then. That's very strange, isn't it? Like to think that things were going on there even before the famous case itself. Yeah, we we uncovered got, a lot of stuff. Yeah, I wonder if that's got something to do with it being like a, a nuclear base. Because didn't they have some kind of um, nuclear capabilities or? Some some missiles of some sort on that base. Yeah, it's been accepted that there were, and and the officers that served there have said there was military uh, missile. Uh, there was nuclear missiles stored there. Yeah, yeah, I thought there was like nuclear um, silos and stuff on that base. Yeah, weird. Yeah, we've gone back um, eight hundred years on the surrounding area, back to sort of wild, wild men, all sorts. So, definitely yeah, weird history there. Yeah, one thing that I didn't did note when I was going through the um, near Woodbridge is like you just mentioned there is these little villages, these little quirky villages that are do just dotted around the area. A lot of them, me and Junior actually made comment on this, is that it's like going back through time. They just haven't moved on with the times at all. There's like these little thatch cottages, and it's so dated, but an amazing place to experience as you're driving through there. These little pockets of villages that just left out in these places i can see why i could actually imagine things like that happening in an area like that so you, you mentioned throughout the interview a couple of times that you, you're going to be doing different things with the channels what, what's next for you and for one Wales? so live streaming um is going to be a big one i'm going to start letting more people have their say um in the in the comments box during a live stream and i'm going to set up a few live streams per week and I'm going to have like specific topics that we talk about, but it'll be a great way for people just to jump in and um, have their say, agree, disagree. 
And um, yeah, I think that's going to be one of the things I do. Another is I want to go camp out and do some investigating at Benton Cliffs. That's another place. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Paul Sinclair. Yeah, up on the East Coast, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of strange things going on there. I want to go visit Scotland, um, explore some of the areas around Scotland, and just absolutely hammer the North Yorkshire Moors um, some more because it's such a vast area. There's no way that I could have even made a dent in it yet. So, yeah, that's my plans. I really want to see a UFO. That's one thing I do want to experience from a distance, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think it'd be fascinating to, to see something in the sky that you can't rule out as swamp gas or a Chinese lantern or a drone or Venus or any of these other things. If you saw something that you can't basically put a name to and it completely left you like amazed, I'd love that experience. You said then if it was in the sky, so if, if something was landed was near you, oh, a craft was near that, you, and they asked you to come with him, would you go? No, 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 no. I think if I, I, I sometimes think about this and I sometimes when I'm walking through these woods and these forested areas on the North Yorkshire Moors where these things happen. I sometimes think, what am I doing? Because if I walked around this next corner and there was one just there, I would absolutely like be so terrified that I don't even think I'd be able to lift my camera to record that. Like I'd be so petrified. But I guess that's why I keep doing it, because it's that what if. Mm-hmm. That what if I do go around there and I do see, see something. That's what keeps pushing me forward, I think. Yeah, and people say, why is there no pictures or videos of it? It's like... The last thing you got to do, probably, is yes. isn't it funny? Is That's you, right. you, you're running the other way most a lot of the time. Yeah. Probably, you're not going to be getting your phone oh. out to to take a picture of it. It's just human nature, isn't it? I mean, like, it's it's human nature to want to keep pushing forward. We always say, "Oh, just just the next corner, just the next corner." I mean, this is what we did when we went into pyramids, like, and we started raiding those. Just the next corner. We'll just open this next team. We'll just do. Do you know what I mean? We never know when to stop until it's too late. So, yeah, I um not really had so many UFO experiences myself, but I've um, I've been out to Vegas a few times, and the last couple of times I've been out to hire a car with my wife, uh, and we went out to Area 51. That's oh, wow. I'm so jealous yeah. right now. I'd love to do this. So, yeah, it's all, the first time we went was the weirdest. You get to the... the it's not a black letterbox anymore. It was white when I've been twice. And yeah. you go down this track road off the main road, and it's about 20, 20 miles off down this gravel track, which is weird enough in itself. There's nobody around, there's nothing. And then in the distance, you can just see this hill, and there's a, like a camo Dodge van parked up. So you know you're nearly, nearly there. Yeah. Come around the corner, and all you can see up on the side is these um, listening devices, tripods, everything. And you look over to the right and there's these guys parked, or girls parked in this truck on the side, up the hill. Got loads of photos of it. And um, the no trespassing sign, the, the, like the famous one where it doesn't say you'll be shot anymore, but it says you're not allowed to go, to go past it. And the first time I went around there, I said to, my son actually came with us, and I said, this is, this is proper weird. We're standing outside the car. It's proper weird experience. I said, I think, yeah, they must be listening or something to us. And all of a sudden, you just see the the car move backwards out of sight. And then the second time we went, <clears throat> it was with a group of us. And they've got no drone signs now 
obviously. So yeah. the technology have moved on a little bit since then. That was about six, four year difference. And they've actually got a FLIR radar um, camera system um, about 100 metres past the do not pass line. And again, I put the camera up to take a photo of our friends that were with us at the time. And in the first photo, the, the, the camo dudes are parked. And then in the second photo, they've gone way back. Such a surreal experience to know that these guys are listening, watching everything you're doing. And there's nothing yeah. there. There's literally nothing there. There's a road and a little pathway up to where they're parked. And you can't see anything. It's just mountains. And it's... Yeah. But you just... That sense of sort of foreboding that literally, if I if nobody else was around with us, they could just make me go missing and nobody would ever see me again. That's right. Weirdest place. I definitely recommend going there. It's about two hours from Vegas in the car. Dead easy to get to. It's like three roads and you can't can't miss it. I I would love to do that. I'd love to go there and experience that. For the longest time, Area 51 was not even accepted as being real. Like They denied it even existed. Yeah. I think for me, that's one of... You've got the UFO cases, like Reynoldson has been one that I've grown up with because I'm just over 40 so it's one of those ones that's come popped up every sort of year every sort of December in the UK uh, Roswell obviously like like Ash just mentioned um, but Area 51 has always been that kind of weird enigma it was ne- like you meant just mentioned Ben it was never even acknowledged as it have been existed uh, up until sort of recent times really and then so I watched the documentary. Do you, do you think that they're keeping extraterrestrials there? Do you think they're actually stationed there? I think they are testing. I say stationed, like they're walking around in uniforms, <laughs> wearing some kind of rank on their arm and stuff. <laughs> I don't mean stationed. I mean, like, do you think they're, no, they're actually kept there? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. I think um, I personally think that Area Fifty One is just a place where they they test out advanced aircraft. That's yeah. how. That's why it was set up for like the the. Um, two bombers and all that back in the day they set it up because it was miles away from anywhere and it was nice and flat and they had all this space um i just think no it's no personally um there's definitely a lot of technology i think there that we don't know about yet um like the sr-71 flew out of there for years before it was acknowledged um you had when you look at the stories and that the Germans were going over with satellites, so it's somewhere that the enemy, I'll say the enemy, like Russia, yeah. SR seventy one Blackbird, yeah, 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 amazing, That's hell of a, hell of a, oh, it's, it's completely blows me away to think that it's less than what a hundred years since flight was first invented by the Wright brothers, yep, yeah. and then we start looking at things like the SR seventy one Blackbird, which can drop a missile from the edge of space onto a postage stamp. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. And we, we've got now the the B two stealth bomber. Uh, yeah. and I, I'm lucky enough where I live uh, in Oxfordshire that we're right next to an air force base. And um, Ash is in the video. I've got a little video clip of there's uh, Farnborough Airshow or one of those places, and the, the stealth bomber goes over my house, flanked with a couple of fighter jets, wow. and it's the weirdest thing. So to see that a few years ago, like. 10 20 years ago when it was probably in development yeah you can understand why people say that area 51 is home to these 
alien technologies, but I I just genuinely believe it's um, advanced technology rather than um, and black projects rather than anything alien. But who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Because they say that um, a large chunk of Area 51 is actually underground. Is that right? I, I, obviously, I'm asking you like, you know, you don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> I've been there, but not that, that close. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine so. I'd imagine so. And I believe that some of the, um, I think it's built into some of the, the mountains and such like, because there's a lot of mountain range around it. Yeah. I think the only or the last public place that you can go up to is Tickaboo Peak, which is still a fair distance away so you get to the top of that and you can see the runway and, and whatnot but the ha- i would imagine there's there's definitely more to the base than than that there are flights going from mccarran airport in vegas every day with all the workers um and if it was only a small amount of people and a smallish base which it looks fairly basic place why do you need to like fly in all these people um yeah i've, I've seen the the planes from vegas airport with the white the janet flights they're called white plane red stripe um so it's quite cool looking at and thinking you're going to area 51 yeah that's pretty cool did you see the um the see the tour guide that was sidetracked by uh the people in the back as he was taking them on the tour there and he just drove straight through did you not see that no Oh, if you, you'll be able to find it on YouTube. So there was this tour guide, and um, I think he was taking like a newlywed couple to see Area 51. And the point where he was supposed to have stopped, they were in conversation, he just carried on going. And the next thing, there's armed police and like armed guards or whatever on the car, dragging this bride to be out of the car. And they, they all got massive fines. But yeah, just really weird. I thought it was quite funny. Definitely, I like that. There's a book, I think it's just called A51. I read it some years ago. It's a thick book, and that's yeah. basically the the history of A51. Like it's, it just talks about all the it was nuclear testing, uh, secret aircraft testing, and the detail it goes into. And I mean, it's all I think it is all based based on fact, and it's just incredible what was going on there. And like, like and it's called A51 because it's like the 51st area in that part of the desert. So yeah. it's like area one, there's area two, there's area fifty, there's area sixty. Obviously, it's just this area fifty one that's become infamous for the, yeah. the, well, initially the nuclear testing, and it's and it's huge as well. Like the the actual land, obviously where the basis is that part of it, but the actual land where they're doing the testing, they're doing the underground nuclear testing. I mean, it it's, it's talking thousands of miles of land. That whole area that covers all the that's all military owned. There's thousands of miles of of land that that's used for all this testing stuff. Where was, um, what's he called? Lazar. Where was he based? That one, Area 51. What was that? S4, it's called, but it's part of Area 51. Yeah. Oh, is that part of? Yeah. 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 Uh, what do you think, sir, Area 51? Um, I don't know. I like to think that with it being underground, because uh, people speak about Area 51 going miles and miles under under the mountain range, um, and then when I th- when I think of it like that, I think well, it can't just be to hide top secret aircraft. I mean, we do hide top secret aircraft in other parts of the world, and we don't big dig massive um, cavernous cave systems miles underground. Like, and we seem to keep them under wraps pretty well. So, I don't know. Um, 
I believe at some point, extraterrestrials, whether it was from Roswell or wherever else, have been there. But whether they're still there now, um, I'm not sure. I think it's um, it's almost a caricature of what it's supposed to be. It's this um, tourist attraction now, isn't it? it, it yeah. Really, um, it's just a big distraction now from where the actual stuff's going on. It's actually... I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say probably just um. It's just like a false flag to where they've moved everything's like to keep everybody everybody's attention off. I think I'm probably gonna know the answer to this one. But do you believe that there's extraterrestrials visiting or have been to this planet? Yeah, I believe they've never left. I believe that Earth isn't um the native planet to humans. Um I I believe that we've uh, had some interaction with another species and they brought us here or they interbred and we evolved to be humans. I just don't think that Earth is the native planet of humans. And I think that extraterrestrials, whether it be the reptilians that live underground or some other species, I think that Earth was the home planet to somebody else. I think, well, I've been thinking a lot recently and I know this sounds wacky, so bear with me, but I've been thinking like about Jesus, right? And thinking that Jesus sounds to me a lot like a hybrid think about it right so we're at a stage now where we can create artificial insemination we can take a woman we can say right in nine months you're going to have a child we can even tell her what sex that child will be we can even tell her or predict roughly what eye it can have and this is all capable in today's science we know we can do this and then i think back towards like the times of christ and i think what happens if there was another species out there that was at that point that we're at now with artificial insemination and they was testing it out and they came to earth and they, they found a woman which was mary and mary was the virgin mother well we all know you can't be a virgin mother you have to have intercourse to have a child it's just common sense that's how it works but yet somehow mary was able to produce this baby she was told that in nine months you'll have a boy you should call this boy jesus and he'll grow up to do amazing things that sounds to me like artificial insemination. Now, anybody back then looking at Jesus will have just thought it was like them, like me and you, look human, walk like human, talk like human, but he could do all these amazing things. Why? Because he was probably a hybrid. He was probably part human, half alien. And I've been thinking about this and thinking about it. And the more I go down this, this rabbit hole of thinking about the wording, the way they said that Jesus would communicate to his dad, God, up in the sky well was it really god or was it his family that brought him here from another planet or another star system the way that they said that the um they came on these fiery chariots was they fiery chariots or was they some kind of rocket engined spacecraft like do you know what i mean the more i think about this i just think that jesus sounds to me like a, a lot like a hybrid yeah i know and, the the egyptians was that. About sorry say what the Egyptians talk about the gods coming down from the sky. That's uh, right. So yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a very plausible explanation that does cover, like you mentioned, covers off a lot of the the events that took place. It, it if you were to say this is happening now, yeah, artificial like the the virgin birth, she becomes pregnant and she doesn't know how. That's it. And, if you said that nowadays that's, that could also be a typical abduction case people coming back pregnant yeah um, then going back then all of a sudden they're, they're not pregnant anymore they don't know why um 
definitely plausible. I mean, Jesus throughout the Bible was constantly receiving messages about what he should do, what he should, how he should live his life, what messages he should pass on. And how do we know that he wasn't having this telepathic, uh, this telepathy communication with this intelligent species that brought him here or give uh, the action simulation to Mary? It's just really weird. Like, it, and it is a rabbit hole, but... Definitely. Uh, the whole subject um, of UFOs, aliens, the Bible it's a massive rabbit hole um, yeah. and it doesn't appear to be any kind of wrong answer you can go down each route and each route that you go down you go actually yes yeah. that sounds pretty pretty good sort of way of explaining what's happening yeah and to be fair it's no more outlandish than a lot of the other stories from different religions it's, mm -hmm. there's no reason I, why the most outlandish part of that whole scenario is joseph if that was me, I'd be like, whoa, hold up a second. You're telling me that... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> he was um, a very trustworthy guy, wasn't he? He was like, <laughs> he asked no questions. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right, we can make this work, Mary. It's fine. We'll work through this. <laughs> so what What do you think about... Um, so talking about, like, uh, gods coming down from the sky or that, yeah. that kind of thing... Um, we're on about going up and off planet now with Elon Musk putting people on Mars. If we go to Mars, there's lots of people, military people that I've seen documentaries on and whatnot that claim that there are military and alien bases on Mars. I don't know if they are, just what, what gets banded about quite a lot. Um, if we get up there, and we find these bases on Mars, how do you think that would change everything? Um, massively. Uh, one second, sorry, my phone was going. Sorry, yeah, massively, because even if we find life at the very small, smallest scale, like bacterial life, life is life, and it doesn't matter how minute it is or how, how microscopic, once it's happened once, and we've proved that life can form and it can take hold, and take on the characteristics of evolution on some other planet besides Earth, then it can happen time and time and time again. And there'll be no limit to how far or how fast that can happen. All we need to do is just prove that life can exist elsewhere other than Earth. And like I said, it doesn't matter how small that is, life is life. So it will just completely change everything to think that, oh my God, skip the bacterial side of things, there's actually bases on Mars. This would be, this would be groundbreaking, like, where do we go from there? Well, I don't even know how, how, I don't know what the next steps would be. Like, it's such a fascinating topic. So question for you, both of you actually. So we've been talking about disclosure coming for the last however many years, 50 years, uh, when we were talking about President Carter. Do you think, A, we'll get disclosure before they land on Mars? Because if we get there, and we know that the government are already there, shit will hit the fan. Or B, will they even let the craft get there? Because if they get there and expose the story, disclosure will happen. So do they... Does something happen to this, these craft, uh, the Elon Musk SpaceX stuff, before they get there, and nobody gets there alive? Or do we get disclosure? What do you think? I, th I think that we get disclosure first. 
Okay. I was thinking B before you said it. Like my answer to A was going to be they won't let him get there. It that's will, my, that's be, one of my there'd thoughts. be something stopping him. Yeah, uh, like a big disaster in in space or something, and they all perish. Because there, there's a lot of there's stories of astronauts who have wanted to come out and talk about the fact that there's aliens and stuff, and all of a sudden their test space shuttle goes up in flames or yeah and stuff before they've even taken off um, and they were due to come out and talk about things um, that they're not supposed to so I, I think I'm with you Ash I don't think they would allow it keeps disclosure nice and quiet uh, and then stops us from leaving the planet yeah but yeah maybe that's a that's a top topic for another another episode but it's like something straight out of um, a sci-fi novel. I love it. It really makes you think, doesn't it? Yeah, you could make a best-selling book out of all this stuff we've we put together tonight. But the thing is, again, it's plausible. It's plausible. It why, why would they want you to go to Mars and discover this stuff that they don't really want you to know about? They'd rather you not go and be frightened about going there again. Yeah. For fear of death. So. It reminds me of the um, the Truman Show with Jim Carrey. Every time he gets a bit closer to the end, something happens. Yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. that the other day, actually. Oh, weird. Because I I was thinking to myself, yeah, everything's like the Truman Show. You can see it, everybody being controlled or manipulated by the media, yeah. for example, yeah. one way or another. Um, so, yeah, it was on Sky, so I thought, you know what, I'll have a watch of that. And you watch it now, and it's even more scary to watch it. You're just like, oh, my God, this guy's suddenly having this awakening. But everybody's trying to oppress him and think that he's going mad. And that that's kind of what is happening you with people like, um, certainly people like Bob Lazar. They've always tried to rubbish him and say, you're, you're crazy. You build cars with jet engines on them. You're mental. Um, but his story hasn't changed. That's story right. Hasn't. You know what freaks me out is that before COVID hit, I made this, um, this short movie of that same scenario happening in the world going into lockdown and all this kind of stuff. And this was way before anyone knew what COVID was. But the only difference was was my storyline was that terrorists had attacked the national grid and everything had gone down. But the scenario, the way it panned out, was exactly what we saw. I ended up deleting that video because I just thought, now COVID has come about, everyone's going to think I'm just doing it. So, yeah, it was really weird, though. Yeah, it's... It's it's funny when you when you start to think about things, and you, it all always seems to happen, or it's, it certainly mirrors stuff, and everything yeah. becomes causable. Then you thought to yourself, well, I haven't heard from so and so in a while, and then the next thing the phone rings and it's them, or they send you a message on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, it happens a lot. It's weird, isn't it? Really it's weird. weird. I don't know what that what that is, and I know um, Kanye West talks about it a lot, manifesting stuff. Yeah, he thinks stuff and it happens. That's one of his philosophies. I know people again think he's a crazy guy, um, but he he talks about all this stuff. You believe it's going to happen, or you think about stuff happening, and it happens. So yeah, somebody you haven't thought about for a long time, you start thinking about them, and the next day they start phoning. I've I've done stuff at work where I chuck a bit of paper away with a customer's name on it because I haven't heard from them for ages, and then all of a sudden they. Everything. Yeah. It's weird. Proper weird. Proper weird. It's the the media pressing the button for me to uh, 
yeah that interaction like you're on the big screen on yeah. some other planet and they're all Someone's tuning in in your life like big brother <laughs> and they're like he's throwing the paper away ring him bring him <laughs> i'll tell you they'd, they'd be shocked i'm sure about what what they hear me say and what, what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah th thank you so much for joining us this evening it's been uh I didn't expect us to end up on uh, the Truman Show uh, and no. talking about Jesus, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> so that's been no, great. Been good. I've loved it. I've loved chatting to you guys. Like We share a lot in common. Mm. And uh, the fact that we have gone off on a massive tangent, I love that because sometimes that's how I learn new things as well. So I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah thank definitely. you. Thank you. So if you could just remind everybody where they can, uh, they can find you, that would be great. Yep. So if you want to head over to YouTube, type in 401 Files, you'll find me on YouTube there. Also Instagram, Facebook as well, 401 Files. Pursuit of the Paranormal with Ash and Greg.